I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The CoLab, which is a member-led, inclusive global networking community for fashion, beauty, wellness, retail, and consumer luxury professionals. I'm glad you're back for season two, where we have more career stories. Every week, two members interview each other, so you'll get to hear two different stories. I hope you'll learn from these stories, listen to them, share them, and join us and tell your own story. Hey, uh, my name is Julie Chen, and I am here with uh, my fellow collab colleague, Lindsay Denninger, um, a copy director. And yeah, I'm just really excited to uh, get to talk to you today, Lindsay. Yeah, I'm excited to share my ups and downs roller coaster career stories with you. <laughs> uh, roller coaster. I'm really, uh, you just um, made that a little bit more exciting for me. <laughs> Um, good to know it wasn't a straight line because that's kind of been my experience too. So yeah, I'd love to know, um, yeah, like where'd you grow up and where'd you go to school? So I grew up, um, about 50 miles from where I sit in New York city right now on Long Island, um, in Smithtown, St. James, New York, pretty quiet suburb. You might be able to tell by my accent where I'm from, but you know, a typical Long Island high school experience. Um, went to Smith Island High School, graduated without much fanfare. Um, and then I went to, first I went to Pace University in New York for my first, my freshman year of college. And I think I sort of looked at the college experience as just like something to get over with. I find myself now always, but then too, even as a 17 year old, racing to the next thing and trying to hit the marks and all those other things. So I went to Pace. Um, they gave me the best financial aid package. So I was like, eh, you know what? It's an hour away. I love New York City. I always knew I was going to end up in New York City. So yeah. I didn't love the school. It was, it's really like a business school. And I just, I, I might not have been ready to have been away from home yet. Um, but I transferred out right after my freshman year. And I went to CW Post University, which is on Long Island. I commuted back and forth from my parents' home, which was about 45 minutes. So I really didn't have that um, that campus life that I guess some people have in, mm -hmm. in college, which was fine. Like I said, I was feel like I was always racing towards the next thing. So I actually had taken enough courses um, and AP classes and all the lot in high school to graduate a year early from college. Wow. Um, so I graduated in 2008, which all of us know was probably the best time besides now to graduate from college. Um, and it was just, you know, a war zone. There was, there were no jobs. There was no nothing. Um, I graduated with a degree in English cause I always liked writing and reading and I wasn't really sure what to do with it. And I was figuring that out when the bottom fell out of everything in 2008. And I just, did I was lucky enough to have the support of my parents to be able to live at home because uh, so it, that wasn't the stressor um, necessarily about you know having to pay rent and things like that. I did have student loans, but I was like, well, that's one less thing I have to pay for if I'm sitting in my parents' house. So I worked at a, ta a Long Island tattoo franchise doing their marketing. I worked doing the front desk at the gym. I worked as an editorial assistant at a science and textbook publishing place on Long Island too, just trying to 
boost up my resume and sort of bide my time until the jobs came back. And then eventually I decided to go back to school um, as if I hadn't spent enough money on my education already um, to go to graduate school. And I went to Hunter College here in New York, worked full time and got a master's in English lit. Um, And for a while, I thought I wanted to be a professor because I love school. I'm like that really nerdy, like everybody hates me. I'm like the kid who wants homework. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a professor. Maybe it's going to be so cool to like, I have this like, he's very like, oh, captain, my captain sort of um, ideas about what teaching could be like. And all of my professors were like, don't do it because you'll be put in the middle of nowhere. That's amazing. And it's really hard. It's really hard to get tenure. It's really hard to whatever. So I graduated and then I just decided because I had been doing like marketing, copywriting for like the tattoo place and this, this and that. Uh, maybe I'll just get a job doing that. And then in 2011, I got my first job at a place called um, Hebs Digital. It's not called that anymore. They have a different name, but it was a hospitality marketing firm. And I was an SEO copywriter and I was researching keywords and, and making these grand websites and, and blog pages for these big hotels. Wow. And wait, I got, sorry, we got a, um, segue into the tattoo um job i'm sorry i need to hear about this yeah so uh, that's so funny um how'd you get this job if anything i've always been a decent networker the company is called tattoo lose they have a bunch of locations on long island and it's just a i mean it's a tattoo shop like that's what it is but uh, I was working at the gym and Lou, there is a Lou, it's, he's actually Lou. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, he, he lives in our community and he went to the gym and I, I don't know if like, I think the person who was training me at the time, cause I worked there. So I just like did personal training. Not, I didn't teach it. I had somebody train me. I would never do that to somebody for me to train somebody. And then they were just kind of like, Hey, like, yeah, Lou could use your needs like a marketing person to like write stuff it was very loose and like there really wasn't a job description so I sort of just made it what I wanted it to be I mean I was doing like photoshopping like you know like the tattoo art that's on the walls I can't think of the name of it now but like you get to like say I want a and that butterfly like I was like photoshopping those and I was helping them with events and I was doing rewriting all the website copy and it was, I know more about like microdermal piercing and uh, makeup <laughs> tattooing and tattoo removal than like anybody who doesn't have any tattoos has ever known in their life. Really goes to show that, you know, your career can um, start anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have gotten to know you through collab and like your more recent jobs are nothing to do with tattoos. Like you wound up working yeah. in, you know, um, spoiler, uh, Lindsay wound up working in fashion. <laughs> A world away from loose tattoo parlor. That's so amazing. I mean, yeah, like looking back on, you know, like your early life until now, you gave us the play-by-play. Um, what would you do differently today if you could? You know, I don't know that I would. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would make any real changes. I know myself well enough to know that like, I really was just not interested in the college experience, like getting drunk at frat parties or whatever the stereotypical experience was. Like, I've always been super driven and I've always been like very goal oriented. So I think that the path of at least like going to pace and being like, nah, this isn't good for me or, and then going to CW Post and 
going to Hunter and sort of like climbing the rungs on the academic ladder, I, I kind of live my life by the philosophy that except for like birth and death, for the most part, uh, you can fix anything that you don't like, or you could go down a path and then turn around. Even tattoos. I know all about tattoo lasering. You can get rid of those. We know. So I I was fine with making the mistakes or making the pivots that I made, especially in the beginning, because it was worth a shot. It's always worth a shot in my book to to try something that you're not sure is going to work. Yeah, that's, you know, I think a really important lesson um, to, you know, I'm almost saying this for myself, too, to like keep top of mind is like, you know what, are there really any wrong decisions, you know, like, you are, we're always making another decision. So yeah, like life isn't locked in. And, you know, if you do something that um, you're not happy with, it's, it's just, you know, a constant state of change that happens. So um, I'm really glad you brought that up. I think you've given us like a lot of, um, you know, you've given us kind of the background of like education and career. Um, but yeah, like after after um, those first jobs and um, between that and like where you are now. Um, yeah, take us through that. Has has your career path, um, you know, over the past few years um, been pretty linear or, you know, have there been just some unexpected um, pivot and, uh, you know, other events that have happened? Yeah, I would say that once I got that first job, that was the hardest one. So I sat in that job for a couple of years. It was fine. I loved the people that I worked with. I think that's the main thread that I find throughout a lot of my career is that I love the people. So I worked there for a few years and then I moved into One Kings Lane, the home decor company. Um, And this is when One Kings Lane was like explosive growth. That, That was like when they had a billion dollar valuation, like the big time. And I was a product copywriter there. And I, I was looking for a new job because I just found the SEO thing to be kind of boring. And home, I've always been, my mother's not a home decorator, but she should be because like, she's always being asked to decorate friends' houses and our own house is very nice. And she helped me with mine and I had an interest. So I was like, oh, okay, this feels organic. So I worked there for a few years. I moved into the editorial part um, of the company telling stories and doing interviews with tastemakers and with, you know, makers in the city, just, you know, normal, I shouldn't say normal, but just straight editorial stories. I moved away from like the product copywriting stuff, which was nice because it allowed me to inject a little bit more of my own voice into the, into what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, I've always been a pop culture junkie. I love TV I love like encyclopedic knowledge of the housewives and the bachelor. Like I could go on and on about these things. So uh, my roommate and I saw an opening for a recapping position for the show, pretty little liars um, for oh, a website wow. called Zimbio. And we pitched it as we're, cause she's an editor and a writer. Also, we pitched it as like, well, you'll get the two of us. It'll be like both of us having a conversation about the show. So we got it, which led to me doing those recaps and then eventually writing freelance entertainment stories for bustle.com where I was freelancing on the side as well as doing my full-time job for like five years about, it was like probably 20 hours a week. But with that, I got to go to premieres, premiere parties and you know, the Netflix Halloween party can't be beat. I have to tell you that every year it's fantastic. If anybody ever can sneak into it, not now, obviously, Mm -hmm. but 
I interviewed a whole bunch of celebrities and like, I was just doing this stuff that was like soaking the other part of my brain while I was doing One King's Lane. And then after One King's Lane, I was like, eh, maybe I should move into social because social seems like the next thing. So about 2015, I worked at an agency for like a little less than a year. My clients were, my social clients were BMW and Goldman Sachs. And I just feel like, I don't know that, I don't want to write off all agencies, but I just don't know if that agency life was right for me. The ad agency sort of environment, perhaps. That was the first time I think that I made a move and I was like, oh, wow, this is not good. Like I was miserable for a lot of it. I just think it ultimately wasn't a fit, which I think is fine. I mean, I learned a lot from it. So it was about the beginning of 2016 when my my idea came into like, well, why don't I just strike out on my own? Because I had the freelance clients as bustle. So I had I knew that I had a number of hours a week there. And I said, well, why don't I just pick up some other things and go on my own? And my husband said, my boyfriend then, now husband was like, I think you should do it. And we got married. We got married at the courthouse because he knew I was going to need health insurance. I mean, we we're going to get married anyway, eventually, but we, <laughs> we, we made it. Ha- we went to city hall and fast track. Yeah. We went on my, his insurance and, and I took up like a, a shot into the freelance world there. Oh, wow. That's really, oh, that's really exciting, you know, to hear about that. And I think that's something really interesting that I think a lot of people might want to know about um, is, yeah, like you had a way, you used your side hustle to segue into, um, it was almost like a net, you know, to, um, yeah, give yourself some sort of cushion um, to leave a job you didn't like, uh, or Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say didn't like, but like wasn't a good fit, you know? And uh, yeah, like, so how did you find the transition into freelancing? Was it, um, you know, do you have any suggestions for people who want to do this, you know, and and leave their, um, you know, like nine to five staff job? I found it to be incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. I am a kind of person that just always likes a little bit of security or some, um, a little net sort of like you said. So what I would say to somebody who wants to do it, who is the same personality as me, I would say that you're probably better off having like a few steady clients. Like I was able to, uh, to grab, I basically just like networked the hell out of everybody I knew who I thought was going to need a writer or, Hey, I'm just, anybody, you know, anybody needs a freelance copywriter, you know, X, you know, Y. I went back to one King's lane for a little bit and helped with their social as a freelancer. Like mm. I just, I think that you one have to, if you're like me, you have to be okay with the fact that you might not have the plan that you thought that you had. I would also say that you have to network fiercely, which I realize that can be uncomfortable for some people, but I think that people really feel better. They want to help. Like most people feel good when they're helping other people. So why wouldn't they want to help you? The worst that they can do is say, no, I don't know anybody or no, I don't have a job. It's Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty basic. And then the the hardest thing about freelancing, honestly, for me was the hunting and the gathering, because, you know, once one job dries up and you have to go find another one, it was just like this sort of constant stress on me, I feel like. I also felt like, and then this is, I think a lot of it was time and place that I was alone. My husband travels extensively for work. I was alone in my apartment a lot doing these jobs. And it was also 
the fall of 2016 and I just had cable news on loop. So I think that like I went a little bit insane when I was like just alone all the time with CNN in the background and the election and working and like that sort of so much flux at the time that I found the transition to be difficult. But if you're the type who like loves to get out there and and hunt and gather and loves to like fly by the seat of your pants a little more than I do personally, I think that it's a great move because you could one, you could always go get a full time job again, which is exactly what I did. At the end of 2016, I was like, you know what? I don't know about this anymore. And I got a job as the as a copywriter and then eventual copy head at Uniqlo. You know, like I said before, there are very few decisions that you can't undo. So I, you know, tried it for like seven months and didn't love it. I think this I think maybe if the circumstances were different, it could have been different, but it it was what it was. And I I jumped back into the brand side nine to five social office world. Yeah. So it, yeah, it, you, you took your own advice and you, 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 you flipped the script, you know, I made another decision. I really love hearing about that, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I guess like the last thing um, I'd love to hear from you is, you know, what would you say, do you have like a biggest, what do you consider your biggest, you know, failure? I don't really like to use that term, you know, but like, I don't know, maybe biggest failure or challenge and like, the key thing that you learned out of that, that, you know, you think it would be worthwhile for um, other people to, to kind of, you know, get from your experience. I think the biggest challenge for me, or I don't know, I don't think it's a failure because I feel stronger now that I'm out of it. But I think the biggest challenge as a creative and, and an idea person is to have to deal with the constant feedback that you get in those kinds of roles. I would say, say that and I mean you know what this is like too it's hard I think when I was younger I connected so much of my writing even writing for brands which like we know that is not really our own personal voice writing for brands as like my writing and my skill and my self-worth and I really think that the biggest challenge is to overcome that and not take feedback personally yeah and I think that's good for all creatives to know design uh graphic design art direction whatever writing because it's really not a reflection on you, a client's whims, because all of this is so subjective. And I think we all know, especially working in marketing to a degree that on one day, your boss or the CMO or whoever loves what you do. And the next day, they're like, never mind, throw it out. And you just have to, I mean, obviously, that's annoying. And I don't love it. But I think that overcoming that and not placing so much of your self-worth in that work is really important. And that's something that I had struggled with before. At my last job, I think it played a little bit more into the part why I was unhappy towards the end and I wanted to to sort of move and, and figure out my next steps, maybe venture out on my own again. It's sort of like a real crisis of faith, you know, because you put so much of your, as creatively put so much of ourselves into our work. And then when someone tells you it sucks, you're <laughs> like, wait, but do I suck? Yeah. Um, is it me? Did I fail? But really, you didn't. Um, so that's what I would say to all creatives, especially. It's not you. It's them. It's like breaking up. It's not you. It's them. Oh, my God. That's amazing. 
<laughs> it's not you. It's them. I mean, yeah, that that's like really solid uh, experience there, you know, and um, I personally relate a lot to that <laughs> crisis of faith, you know, because um, feedback can be really hard um, when you are creative, you know, and it can be just, yeah, hard to not personalize these things um, work wise, you know. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I don't know, I think that's our time here. But um, I had so much fun talking to you as usual. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CoLab Career Stories. Follow us on social media at Join the CoLab and join us so you can tell your story. 